Now today, I want to speak on the subject of staying focused. Uh, school starting, and I can remember one of the first things that I remember coming out of the words of most of my teachers. May I have your attention? And you could tell from that voice whether it's going to be a good year or a bad year. <laughs> I had some coaches that would take their paddle and hit, hit the table with it. May I have your attention? Yes, sir. You've got my attention. And you know what they wanted us to do? Stay focused. We're here to get an education. We're here to learn. We're not here to show off. We're not here to make friends and influence people. We're here to study, and we're here to learn, and we're here to uh, have our teams go in competition against other teams and all this kind of stuff. But it's very important for everybody to learn how to stay focused. So if you're going to stay focused, you've got to know what you're going to focus on. And I want you to open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And I want to read to you four verses. In just a few moments, I'm going to take you on a journey through the Scripture. And uh, you're going to spend some time with thoughts just on the Scripture of what it means to stay focused. When the scripture says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That scripture indicates that in order to know what to do, there's something that comes before that, and that's research. That is choosing from many options as to what will be your source of authority and who will you follow. I've always said personally, I cannot choose who chooses to follow me. I cannot choose who will follow me or not follow me. But I sure can choose who I follow. Amen. That's where my choice comes. And I am convinced that's where everybody needs to be. You need to have a focus upon what you believe to be the right authority, the right what is truth, what is the way because the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. I don't want that way. I want to live. I want to live eternally with God. And I think most people would want the same thing. Maybe not, but I believe that. So I want to start by reading to you from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Have you ever heard the word drifter 
say about a person, he is a drifter. I don't know what comes in your mind when you hear that word, he's a drifter. Or if you say, I'm a drifter, what does that mean? I think it means a person that has no focus. I, I think it's a person that has no commitment. I, I think it's a person that has no sense of direction. As the wind blows, I goes, you know. I just kind of hold up the finger every day and decide, well, which way is everybody going? Okay, well, today is the day we rebel. It, after all, it's Friday, and it's a weekend to rebel, and we'll get sober by Monday or whatever. I don't know what a drifter is, I, but I think I do. Because I was fortunate to have Christian parents. I was fortunate to have great Sunday school teachers, and I was fortunate to have great public school teachers and principals. They're legendary. They're so legendary, their names are on most of the buildings around here, Brother Freddie. Uh, right across the street, Mr. Stutzberry was my neighbor when I grew up. Used to play football uh, when I was a little kid with all the little kids that lived on, on uh, uh, our street, uh, Johnson Street over in Pasadena. Mr. Thompson across, so the George Thompson, remember him well. He was head of the school board. Wasn't very big, didn't have much hair. But he's a good man and a godly man. Amen. And I can remember very well, very, very well, Pasadena Independent School District when a mother got mad because her child, for the first time in his life, was told what he could and could not do. He had never experienced that until first grade. Well, by the time he was in third grade, he really had some problems. And so one day he came to school and he had his hair down here, and back in those days, it had to be no shorter, no longer than your collar. And uh, he had his shirt unbuttoned up here, and you had to keep all your buttons. Can you imagine such a thing? In the public schools in the United States of America. And uh, you also had to wear your pants around your belt, around your waist. Can you imagine that? Now, that's legendary stuff, and our students, and most will be in the next service, they can't imagine anything like that, but that's just the way it was. And this child was unfortunate enough to have a mother that didn't know any better herself, that she better get control of her child. So guess what? They wouldn't let him come to school. And uh, so they had a board meeting. Brother Freddie, you were not on the board at this time. But uh, they called all the preachers in town to come to the meeting of the Pasadena Independent School District Board meeting because this mama was going to raise sand. They packed the room. Mr. George Thompson, the little guy, took his glasses off and laid them down. Yes, ma'am. Go to the microphone. Say to the board. She ranted and raved. I mean, she screamed and hollered and carried on about what you did to my child and so forth and so on. And I tell you, it was horrendous. And finally, she ran out of gas. She didn't know anything else to say. She said everything she knew three times and so Mr. Thompson just sat there, and finally, the uh, lady was quiet. He said, are you through, ma'am? She said, yes, I'm through. He said, okay. He said, we've made a decision. Your child will not come back on the campus of the school until he cuts his hair, buttons his shirt, and pulls up his pants. Now, if you don't like that, 
Here's your, we're seven and oh, by the way, we're seven and oh. Okay, he hadn't called a vote or nothing. He knew where the board stood. He said, we're seven and oh about this policy. And so the only way you're gonna change it is to go get you another school board because we are going to stay focused on getting an education for the kids. And they got a standing ovation and this lady threw a holy fit and left. And bless God, she took her child and moved to another town. That's the reason I'm proud of Pasadena, okay? Here's what I'm trying to tell you, folks. You got to stay focused. Your children have to know what mom and dad believes and where they stand. They need to know where their church stands, where the community stands, where the schools stand. That's part of life, staying focused. But we're not focused anymore. We're wandering around like drunks in the fog in every area, not only in education, but in entertainment and, and everything we do. But the scripture talks about being blown about as, uh, with every wind of doctrine or every uh, field of thought. Just kind of do whatever. When a person does that, they face a lot of problems. In Ephesians 4.14, it says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay or where they lie in wait to deceive. Let me ask you a question. Is there any area in your life when you're a drifter? You just sort of floating around as I talked about a moment ago? Is there any area? How about financially? How do you handle your finance? Every day you wake up in a new world. If I like it, I buy it. If I don't like it, I don't. Somebody else got one. I don't need it. I still want it because I don't want them to have what I don't have. Are you, do you drift around financially? Do you have a budget? How about morally? Are the morals the same on Sunday as they are on Saturday or on Friday? Are they different when you're around people that know you or are you a drifter? They sort of go with the flow. Yes, educationally. What is your source of education? Who writes the stuff that you learn and accept it as fact? Do you know anything about those people? And most important, where are you spiritually? Are you a drifter? Oh, I mix a little bit of church in. I look a, mix a little bit of religion in. I, I've got a few, I think I know a few scriptures, and I think about them so often. The question is, are you a drifter? Now, the Bible talks about a group of people that have left their first love. I can remember when I used to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, and then, oh, how I love Jesus, that it meant a lot to me even as a child. Oh, how I love Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. That was another favorite song of mine growing up. But you see, many leave that. And they go after other gods, as Hebrews has warned, and others that you'll see in just a moment. But spiritually, they're drifters. They have no direction in their life. If you go and get in the seat of an airplane with a pilot, a pilot has a way of following the instruments. They have a way of landing on a runway where they cannot even see the runway because they've got the instruments they can look at that will guide them safely home. Even our cross has become a marker for coming in to Hobby Airport. This is called the way of the cross to come in to Hobby Airport. 
There is a marker. I'm at the cross. I can see my way in. I'm coming home. It's a great word coming from the pilots. The surveyors look through a scope. They can tell you where your land ends and the other person's begins. The travelers have a road map. But a lot of people don't. The question this morning is, do you have? Now, God gives us the opportunity to choose our road map. We do not have to do what God says, but we do have to accept the consequences of what we do if we don't do what God says. And it's all through the Bible. Now, for the next few moments, I want you to listen as I'm going to read a lot of Scripture as I take you just on a quick trip through the Bible, and there are hundreds more I could have used. Let me just start with 2 Chronicles 34 and 3, Josiah. For in the eighth year of his reign, when he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. He learned from his dad. He said, I'm going to take up the mantle. Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 19, 3. Nevertheless, there are good things found in you in that you have taken away the groves out of the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. Ezra, Job, Ruth, Nehemiah, others. Let me skip those and go to David. Psalm 9:10. And they that know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken them that seek you. Psalm 10, verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. That's the wicked person, according to the psalmist. In the 24th Psalm, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas. He's established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Listen to the answer. He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul into vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. This is a generation of them that seek him, that seek your face. Solomon was called the wisest man to ever live by many historians. Here's what he wrote in Proverbs 8:17. I love them that love me. Talking about the Lord. The Lord saying, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. That's the reason it's important for our children to have first place in the life of the church. Bring our children to Jesus while they are young. Yes. Jeremiah, listen to what he said, 29th chapter, verse 13. You shall seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Yes. How about Daniel? And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. What did he say? I set my face upon the Lord. He's saying I get my directions from the Lord. Listen to Amos, fifth chapter, verse four. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, seek you me and you shall live. You could substitute America in that verse today. For thus saith the Lord unto America, seek you me and you shall live. It's always been God's way. Always been God's way. Zephaniah, second chapter, verse three. Seek you the Lord, all you meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. 
Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It may be you shall be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. If you do right, when God's wrath comes, God says, I will see to it that you and yours get through it. What an encouraging, encouraging verse. Zephaniah 2, 3, seek you the Lord, all you meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be of you and shall be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. What a great scripture. Now let's jump to the New Testament real quickly. Matthew 6, 33, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Mark 1, 37, and when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for you. John, 18th chapter, verse 8, Jesus answered, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these things go their way. Romans 3, 11, there is none that understand. There is none that seeks after God. You know what happened to Rome. Colossians 3, 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. And finally, Hebrews 11:6. but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, we could go on till the afternoon. I just want to show you enough in the Scripture to remind you this book, which is the truth. This book, which talks about the risen living God, says over and over and over again, stay focused. Look what's happening. Look what happens to all those that become these temporary heroes. As we see every single week, the former NFL quarterback, uh, trying to take his life, and he failed this past week. Every single week, those kind of stories are coming. Why can we not learn that whether you're rich and famous or whether you're just a common person like most of us are, that if we seek God, he will bring us into his family. He will take care of us. He will watch over us. And no weapon that's formed against us is going to prosper. But we can't stay focused. Somehow we believe that something out there in Nana land is truth, and we will not accept the one that is truth. We will believe everything that we hear. Most people believe everything they see on television and everything they read in the newspaper. And if you'll carefully check every story, every one of them has got some fallacy in them. But God's Word is steadfast. It never changes. The God I preached to you about today was preached about 2,000 years ago, and the message has never changed. God is still the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the only one that paid for the sin of his children and then rose from the grave to make sure the devil cannot conquer them. Only, only Jesus. So I want to make some suggestions to you. Here's what I want to suggest, and notice they're not commandments. By the way, anything I say is a suggestion, all right, unless it's from God. If God says it through me, I'll try to give him the credit, all right? But I'm going to give you some suggestions. Number one, keep a close look and be honest as to what gives you the directions in your life. 
Now, if God lets us all live in the morning, we're going to wake up and we're going to decide what we're going to do. Maybe today we're going to decide what we're going to do tomorrow. Now, let me ask you what, what's going to determine that? What determined whether you came to church or not today? The question is this, where do you get your instructions from? If you buy a Ford automobile, do you write Chevrolet to try to get an instruction manual? I don't think so. And when you become a Christian, these 66 books are our manual of instructions. Been proven through the years, through the years, thousands of years. Now, where do you get your instructions? Could I make some possibilities? Could I give you maybe the biggest one? Follow the crowd. Just follow the crowd. If everybody's doing it, do it. Don't you want to be popular with everybody? It's got to be, right? Every one of them are following. You know what? This one's following this one. He's following this one. He's following this one. He's following this one. 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 Guess what? You just make a complete circle. Just goes around and around and around and around. But everybody wants to follow the crowd. I mean, if you want the ladies to change the way that they dress or the men to change the way they look, all you got to do is have a couple of guys that got a lot of money putting all the magazines that everybody's wearing this. And after all, clothes are not to cover your body. They're not to do any of that kind of thing. They're to make us look cool. So what we got to do is we got to change. Why? Because everybody's doing it. Everybody's going to that movie. Everybody's reading that book. Everybody's dressing this way. Everybody's decided now that the Bible's really not God's Word, that preachers have been too hard on us through the years, and we need to forsake the church and go follow the crowd. That's a choice you have. Every, this is not the first group of young people that followed their peers. That goes all the way back to the oldest person in this room. It's always been the temptation to follow the crowd. Now, you know what makes that bad for me? I know this Bible says narrow is the way that it leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. There will never come a day when the Christians would win an election if all the pagans voted on the same matter. That day will never come. We will always be in the minority. And as we come closer to the coming of the Lord, according to the Scripture, we'll be in a smaller minority. Now, another thing is, if it feels good, do it. You know, if that drug is good, it's the latest thing, man. Oh, everybody's getting this. If you've got some of these, well, here, I'll give you a couple of these and try these, you know. If you want any more, I'll sell you some, you know. And after all, if all the kids are making, uh, making themselves fools down on the beach, don't you want to go do that next year? Don't you want to go down there and make an absolute fool of yourself that you'll have that'll haunt you the rest of your life? Why? I got to go. Why? Because everybody in the fraternity is going. Everybody in sorority is going. I can't say no. Well, if you follow the Lord, you got to say no. Amen. Jesus didn't look for anybody to follow except God the Father. Not my will, but thine be done. That was it. And another thing I tell you, that was true in my generation, I think it's still true today, is follow your heroes, whoever they are. Winning the Olympics, actors, musicians, yes, preachers, business people. Just be like them. 
Well, just make sure you follow their story out to the end and see if you want to follow that. The Bible says don't follow any of that. Not, don't follow the crowd. Don't do it because it feels good. Don't follow your heroes, but follow God. Follow God. You know what my suggestion is? <clears throat> that you do what God tells you to do. And here's what he says. First of all, he says that we that are believers need to come together and we need to be a church. We need to bring all our spiritual gifts together and we need to get focused on the word and not being hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And that we are to go out into a hurting word, a world, and be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Now, the, the Bible tells us exactly what a church is supposed to be. Exactly. He gave us the ordinances, baptism, the Lord's Supper. He gave us the instruction book. He gave us what is to be our priority and told us to continually check in with the author and the finisher of our faith. That's called prayer. And he said, I've come to seek and to save those which are lost. The purpose of the church is to go to the uttermost part of the world, beginning where you live, and then go to the uttermost part of the world and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And wherever you are today is where you begin. Right. You begin as a first grader or a intermediate school or a high schooler or college student or whatever when you go to work, when you move into a community, when you go into the hospital, when you go into the jail, when you go on vacation, everywhere you go, we are to carry the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're his bride. We're the church. We represent him as he is, so we're to be in this world. And so what would Jesus do if he lived in where you live with the same neighbors you have, worked in the same place where you work, go to the same school you go to, lives in the same city, same nation, what would he do? That's what you're to do. And that's what I'm to do. If you've got a hobby, if you like to play golf and you have somebody riding your golf cart, make sure they know about Jesus. Oh, no, no, they're there to play golf. I don't care what they're there for. It's not what they come for, it's what they go away with. I'm right now preaching, for those of you on television watching, I'm right now preaching to a whole bunch of men. I saw them come to the Lord on hunting trips, on the golf course, on fishing boats, in secular things, because they met somebody that was willing to stay focused. Stay focused. It used to be a reef. There still is a reef, as far as I know. But when I was a kid, I fished a lot. I was a commercial fisherman when I was in high school. It cost $5. And you could go out in Galveston Bay, and you could catch speckled trout by the, literally by the hundreds. You could sell them for 50 cents a pound if you'd clean them to the fish markets and so forth. And there was a, there was a reef in, in Trinity Bay called Lost Reef. It was marked by one-gallon milk jar. That's before the days of all these instruments now where you can see them coming, you know, you center them in, you know, and here they are, and here comes three, and here comes five, and there's the reef. We had a fishing pole, and you hit the ground, and this reef wasn't any bigger probably in that section right there. 
You had to drive about in a boat probably about six miles to find it, but I knew how to find that reef. I could, I could reef four points by just my eyes and, and come close. And if you got on that reef, you could catch fish like crazy. But here comes all these other boats. And they're out there. They're up in the terrace. And, and we're out here fishing. They weren't catching anything. Because I'm a great fisherman? No, because I was anchored to the right reef. See, it has to do with where does your anchor hold? Are you like on the solid rock? Are you easily blown away? See, if you don't put down your roots, when the winds come, the spiritual hurricanes and the spiritual floods, and you're not anchored on the solid rock, you're going to drift. And when you drift, you cease to be a fisherman for God. You don't win anybody to Jesus living the lifestyle they live. You don't win anybody to Jesus doing what they do. You haven't reached them. They've reached you. And you say, well, we're just building a relationship. It's a bad relationship because they are getting you to do what they do instead of you leading them to who you're following. They don't need to follow you. They need to follow him, but they need to know who you're following. That's what it's all about. So keep a close look on that which gives you direction. Number two, stay focused and concentrate on God's purpose for your life, for your life. Don't try to be like somebody else. You are the best at something. I don't know what it is. Long time, I didn't know what mine was. I just knew who I was following. And that's the way with most believers. You're shocked. You're shocked sometimes what God does because of the word, a look, and a touch that you gave to somebody in their life. But when you follow him, and as, as the writer said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, and you see people as Jesus saw them and sees them, and then you do what he would do, then good things begin to happen. Yes, most of us can't stay focused. I think a lot of students have forgotten why they go to school and why they go off to college. It's really to get an education. I don't know what it's like to parents that spend $100,000 sending their child to school and they never learn anything except how to live the fraternity sorority life. That's got to be a heartbreak. And why somebody wastes four years of their life not learning how to do something while those that didn't even go to college are back making money and focusing on doing something, building a business or whatever. And some of the most successful people you know in life do not have the degrees. But they got a work ethic and they got a commitment ethic and they do things that God has blessed them to do. And they're, they're, they're happy if they don't have a degree hanging on their wall or lost somewhere in a closet somewhere. They, they could care less. They're just saying, as for me, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. But when you go to school, get an education. Amen? Is that all right? It's okay and if you get an education rather than, I'd, well, I made a whole lot of friends that I'll just remember all my life. Well, God bless you. I hope they pay for your rent and your bills and so forth and so on. But uh, I don't really recommend that. But for college, it can be a place to drift. As Hebrews said, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. Right. Students, for those of you that are here, put your anchor down. What, what, whatever it is that, that is wanting to make you drift and look for ways 
to follow, anchor yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't drift from salvation, but you can sure drift from God's plan for your life. But the main thing is to always keep the main thing the main thing. Understand? The main thing is always to keep the main thing the main thing. It takes concentration to graduate from college, to hold a job, to keep your health, to be a good parent, to live a good moral life, to handle your money, to deal with temptation. It takes discipline and it takes concentration. You've got to always be thinking, what if? If I go to this, and I'm invited to go, and only very few were invited, and I'm fortunate enough that I was invited because I'm in the in group, and I'm going to get to go. Is it going to be a thing that you're going to use for God? Or are you going to have somebody come up to you and say this is the worst thing a Christian can ever hear is to go to a social event and hear somebody that's been watching them for years say, I'm sure surprised to see you here. How do they know enough about you to be surprised that you're there? You got an invitation just like they did, so why would they be surprised? Because they had a concept that you were living a life a little different than theirs, and they were on the border of maybe wanting to know more about that life, but they find out you're just like them. That's one of the greatest heartbreaks of the, of the Son of God, Amen. to see his children just a little bit go the ways of the world. Well, finally, remember the serious consequences of drifting. Accidents. Got to have a couple of beers before I get home. Holding the job. You lose the job because of your wayward living. You lose your health. Divorce comes because of immorality. Unwanted pregnancies, drug addictions. But the most important one is you miss God's plan for your life. Oh, to see God do what God can do in people's lives is amazing. Now, this is rhetorical. I'm almost through. I don't want you to look around right now because it might embarrass somebody. But if you'll look around, when we dismiss in a minute, you're going to see somebody that God's going to point out to you, and you're going to be shocked because you knew them 30 years ago, and you never thought they'd ever be in church on Sunday and teaching a Sunday school or singing in the choir or whatever. But one day, Jesus came into their life. They found something to live for and something to die for. That's what the Lord wants. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Solomon said in Proverbs 13.15, Good understanding gives favor, but the way of the transgressors is hard. Do you think the, the society's found that out? I guarantee you they have. We're not our own brothers and sisters, Christians. We are bought with a price. And when you drift, it affects your hearing because the Scripture says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There's no person that drifts that has not forsaken this book and ignored it because you don't read this book under the power of the Holy Spirit that you don't get convicted by this book. 
You, you drift because you have said, I don't understand it. I've got more to do than come to church on Sunday. I'm going to go my way. And the Lord says, listen, I love you. I love you. I love you. Please come home, come home, come home. There's something I've got for you to do. You're my heir. The Bible says we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Don't walk out on your inheritance. But memory can bring refreshing thoughts. I think of my mother and my father. I think of my teachers. I think of my coaches often. I think of certain people that I knew in the business world when I was a little boy. I saw them for 40 years. I saw how community accepted them. Freddie, I think of school board members that I knew and how they impacted my life. I've had an opportunity to preach the funeral of many of my teachers and coaches. God just let me stay in my hometown, and I got to come back and minister to their families, and they didn't even know they were ministering to me and helping me stay the path that God had for me to go. You know, when you work with a person that loves Jesus and tells you that Jesus loves you, you are really, really blessed. I can remember so many at Champion Paper and Crown Refinery and Sears when I worked in those three places before I went into ministry full-time. I can remember the impact that they would have of encouragement, not knowing that there was a young man still trying to seek where God wanted him to go. Those that witnessed to me, my Sunday school teachers, the deacon in the church, the friend that just showed up at the hunting camp or at the fishing lodge. So my final word to you today is, if you are drifting, stop. Put down the anchor and say, I will follow him. When we put down our roots, put down our anchor and say, God, I'm standing on the solid rock. I have found the answer. I found what I've been looking for. Lord, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And when that time comes in your life, you get focused and you look for ways in the scripture that you can better do what God's called you to do. Don't drift. Don't put up the, the worldly sail and whichever way the wind blows, go that way. But know where you're going. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land.